Isaiah 41. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. And he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks so much, um, Mandy. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Nice to see you all. And uh, uh, yeah, um, lots of good news uh, stories, Ikers. Uh, but also, I also just want to um, say a big thank you to all those who um, helped with the Christmas journey. Um, the, the Christmas journey, we had lots of children coming in here uh, to hear the story of Christmas and uh, thank you to all those who helped. There's been lots of Christmas journeys around the the, uh, the deanery, the local churches. Churches. So um, thank you for all those who who helped. Um, I wonder what your um, favourite um, Christmas movies are. Um, as I was walking Phoebe to school the other day, we had that discussion because I don't let them watch any Christmas movie until the first of December because it just doesn't seem right. And I asked her. You know, we had this conversation. And we discussed it and we came up with the, our favourite five. I don't know whether they match yours, but it was Elf. Uh, yeah, I can see Liam likes that one. The, the Nativity. Phoebe said that that was her favourite. Um, uh, Polar Express. 
Nobody's heard of. There's a few. Uh, There was Home Alone. It's a bit of an old favourite, isn't it? And um, my favourite, Muppet Christmas Carol, (laughs) which I just love watching. And um, uh, obviously based on The Christmas Carol by Dickens. And um, the original novel, some of you will know, um, has the the carol, the famous carol um, in it, um, uh, God rest ye merry gentlemen. And he quotes it in, in, that, uh, in that book. And uh, uh, it has in the line in that carol, oh, tidings of comfort and joy, tidings of comfort and joy, which fits well, doesn't it, with um, our reading. And uh, the book reads, at the first sound of God rest, ye merry gentlemen, comfort and joy, Scrooge seized the ruler with such energy that the singer fled in terror. So that's a Scrooge. I don't know how you're feeling about Christmas. <laughs> Maybe you are a little bit worried and uh, uh, a bit Scrooge-like. I know I can be sometimes. Um, Scrooge was not open to comfort and joy, was he? He wasn't open to comfort and joy, and even at Christmas time, uh, we are often more open, I think, to messages of doom and gloom. And I know that Christmas can be hard um, for many people, but often we seem to be more open to messages of fear and loathing. So the title of this talk, Why Jesus Was Born, Why Jesus Was Born, as we'll see from the passage, is answered really simply to bring comfort and joy. Comfort and joy. Let's pray, shall we? Um, God, our Father, we, we come before you now praying that we'd be open to that message tonight of comfort and joy. We pray that you'll open your word to our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just take a moment to, to kind of pull back because we've just dropped ourselves into Isaiah 40. A little bit of background about it. Um, uh, you see there's been a great tragedy that's fallen upon the people of God. They've fallen into great sin. And God has sent them off into exile in a place called Babylon. And they were in the doldrums. They were in the doom and gloom. They had had 39 chapters, in fact, of pretty much doom and gloom, of isolation experiencing isolation, of experiencing despair and hopelessness. Um, How had they got into this mess? Well, um, essentially, they stopped looking to God. They'd stopped listening to to God. They stopped listening to the prophets. Jeremiah is a classic example of that. They'd gone it alone, and they were trying to live life their own way uh, without reference to God. They They also thought that God had given up on them by this point. Um, uh, but of course, it wasn't, it was actually God had put them in this place because of their rebellion and, and their sin. And of course, it's God who was going to get them out again. That's what we see here uh, in verse one. Comfort, comfort, my people, says God. Do you see that there? I hope you've got your Bibles still open. It, comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. And that's really important, isn't it? As we enter this season, we may be tempted to think that God has given up on me, on you. Um, That COVID-19 is evidence of that, that somehow God doesn't care, that he's somehow maybe abandoned us. 
maybe you're in the doldrums for all sorts of reasons. I don't want to dismiss those reasons at all. They're, they're real. I've been in the doldrums this week. I don't mind telling you. It's been a very hard week. Um, I haven't known what to do at times. And it's felt very gloomy. And this passage has been real, real warmth to my soul. And I hope it is to you tonight. Comfort, comfort my people. And notice it's my people. Do you notice that? My people. You see, um, they're still God's treasured possession. It says that uh, in the Old Testament, that, that, that the people of God, Israel, were, were his treasured possession. Yes, they've messed up. Yes, they may be in the wilderness. They may be nowhere with God. They may be questioning him. They, but, you see, God had not given up on them. And he's not given up on you. And he's not given up on me. That's a wonderful news, isn't it? It's good news. And so verse 2, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. I love that phrase, speak tenderly. In other words, it's not really a kind of, a cuddly kind of speak tenderly. It's more a, a kind of speak to the heart. Speak to persuade them. Speak to convict them. Speak to invite them in. Uh, speak to them to, to invite a, a response, a response to love. Don't be careless with your words. Don't be harsh. Just be tender. And say, verse 2, that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord, the Lord's hand double, for all her sins. What does it mean that? Well, it's to do with payment for sins, and it's been made. It's an allusion to the um, Levitical requirements for a blood sacrifice for the atonement of sin. That later we will see, you will see if you go to Isaiah 53, is described as being made by the suffering servants. And of course we know that that's, an allu- that's pointing us to Jesus. And this was a divine provision. God had done it. God will do it. And not only forgive them, but it says here, notice it's a double for all her sin. That means it's it's a grace upon grace. It's a sense of more than. Um, More than was required. It's going beyond what was required and, and lavishing it on them. A double pardon, a double forgiveness, a double blessing, a double kindness to them. Sin has been paid for. It's not just letting off. It's it's much more than that. It's it's a, a, a being loved, it's being cherished, it's being pleased with them. Comfort, comfort my people. Speak tenderly. Speak tenderly. God speaks tenderly to us. That should be good news for our soul. It reminds us, of course, of the good news that Jesus is the suffering servant and has paid for the sins and lavished a double blessing on us. We've been through a lot this year. You've been through a lot. I know that. We know that. But know this comfort. Know it. We could stop there. 
but there's so much more here. And what we're introduced to here is, is three voices. There are three voices, and the first voice is there in verse 3. A voice of one calling. It's really difficult to translate this, um, scholars have found. And it's really, the sense of voice is with an exclamation mark. It's really difficult to translate, but it's more like, listen to the voice of someone shouting. Or, or listen, someone is calling out, someone is calling out, listen. And the New Testament um, Gospels, of course, tell us that the messenger here is John the Baptist, isn't it? And he himself picks this up in John 1, uh, verse 23, when asked about himself, he says, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. Make straight the way for the Lord. So the message is really clear. The message is, God is coming. God is coming. That's the big message. And notice that it's a, a, a pathway for them. Um, it's, it, it's a pathway not for them to go out to the Lord, but rather it's a pathway for the Lord to come to his people into their wilderness. And that's what Christmas is all about, isn't it? It's, it is what we know. Uh, and God is coming into our wilderness. He's coming into our mess. He's coming into our isolation. He's coming into our sense of hopelessness and despair, into our gloom. You see, we could say, oh, I see, uh, we're supposed to try and get out of this wilderness, try and get out of this problem, engineer a, a solution, make a way out, cut ourselves out of the jungle of despair, that hack our way through the rocks of gloom. Uh, make some resolutions in the new year, pull our socks up. We could do that, and so often we do do that, don't we? I know I do it. And of course, um, it doesn't work. It reminded me slightly of those Bear Grylls um, uh, uh, sort of survival islands. You've probably seen them on TV where they, they drop some people in an, on an island and they suddenly decide that they're going to go across the island and they think, oh, I can do it. We'll just hack our way through it. And of course, they get completely lost and they finish, often finish up right back where they began. And it's such a picture of what we're like, isn't it? I can do it. Hack our way right back where we began. We can get out of this wilderness and we can't. God is coming. God is coming. Make way for the Lord to come. Make way for the Lord to come into my mess. Make way for the Lord to come into your isolation. Make way, wherever it might be, for the Lord to come into your life, wherever it might be, however you might feel. Make way for the Lord to come into the silence. When you feel like God's not speaking to you and you think, where is he? Just make way for it. Let him come. See, remember, um, in some ways, the, the people of God here, they had 70 years of, of silence, hadn't they, of exile. And then, of course, in a way, we look at it 400 years of, uh, uh, to the birth of John the Baptist. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Will God ever come again? Will, he ever, will I ever hear his voice again? Will he ever speak again? Listen. God is coming. God will come. 
He has come, and he's coming again. If you're a Christian here tonight, um, uh, what has this got to, to say to us? Um, well, it, we're also a voice, aren't we? We are a voice. We're messengers um, wherever we are, whoever we are, wherever we are on Monday, wherever that might be, we are our messengers. And we have a message. We do have a message that God is coming. Like John the Baptist, he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he might not say it quite like that, but we still have that same message to take out. And it says here that God will remove all obstacles. Do you see that in verse 4? Every valley should be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall be become level. The rugged plains, uh, places are plain. I don't know what obstacles you perceive um, to bring God into places that you are. It could be all sorts of obstacles. It could be from... Um, Secularism, it could be because people are indifferent around you. It could be from a sense of materialism. Whatever you perceive those obstacles are, they will be removed. God can remove them. Um, when I was writing this, and I was thinking about that, HS2 came into our mind. Now, I know that might be, I don't know, you know what you think of HS2. We may be for it, we may be against it. But the point is... It, that I was thinking about, it is a kind of a highway, isn't it, that's being built and hills are being removed to make it happen. Sadly, probably, um, rocks are being flattened, valleys are being carved through so that the train can get from A to B as quickly as possible. And the reality of that is that nothing's going to stop it, is it? We have this, this message, God is coming, and sometimes, and I feel this, we sometimes see it as an insurmountable message, an insurmountable challenge to the message. How are we going to do it? How are we going to persuade people? How are we going to convince people? How are we going to um, share it with people that God is coming again? How are we going to break down the barriers? And of course, the simple answer is, I am not going to do it. And neither are you going to do it. Only God That's what it says here. Only God can break down those obstacles. Only God can make straight the path. It is only through a supernatural work of God through his Holy Spirit that can open those ways. That's why prayer becomes so important, isn't it? That we depend on him in all things. God is coming. He travels from A to B without fail and he always arrives on time. Which can't always be said for all our travel experiences. <laughs> so that's the first voice. Uh, verse 6 tells us a second voice. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass, the grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of God, the word of our God, endures forever. I mean, you, you know what it's saying, you? in a nutshell, uh, humanity is 
failing and falling. Humanity is failing and falling. It comes and goes. We say this and we think that, but the word of God endures forever. We, it's a very familiar phrase to us in the Old Testament because his word is unchanging. It lasts forever. So I suppose I have a question for us in the sense of, of the enduring words that last forever. I have a question. Who are, who are you subscribing to? Um, or, or maybe I'll phrase it, who are you listening to? And I was thinking about subscribers as, as people we listen to because I was thinking about YouTube. Um, probably spent a bit too much time on YouTube this week thinking about this. And um, the number of the... I was looking at the... the the YouTubers who have the most subscribers. And uh, I came across uh, one who is uh, Swedish, who was called, who's, I thought was pronounced PewDiePie, but my son just laughed at me and said, it's PewDiePie? PewDiePie? Have I got that right? PewDiePie. I know some of you younger people know PewDiePie. Uh, and he has 110 million followers, subscribers. Couldn't believe it. And people listen to him. He, he mainly is a gamer who has branched out into um, other topics. Um, and he's got loads of people following, loads of subscribers. And I was listening to one episode. Uh, um, he's in Minecraft, and he makes a giant Swedish meatball. <laughs> and I got... I really got into this. It's amazing. Uh, and he, he says, I quote, me and Sven, it's his dog, it's not a real dog, it's in the game, um, have built this structure that symbolizes the power of friendship, love and perseverance. I introduce to you the giant meatball <laughs> in all its glory and finally peace on earth. A lot of sheep died to make this meatball possible. <laughs> and it's kind of funny. It's, it's kind of, it, it really grabbed me and I was away with it. And, but <laughs> but my, my kind of point was, as I was looking at these, is how many, who are we listening to? There's a lot of people listening and subscribing to people on YouTube, vloggers, podcasts, tweets, millions and millions of, of voices around and the Bible tells us the truth is, you know, as fun as they are and as good as they are, the Bible tells us they're all going to disappear. That's the reality. All 110 million subscribers that PewDiePie has. Because they're like grass. They're flimsy in the fall. And the meatball, the giant meatball will go. <laughs> it's not that there's nothing good in those things. No. But they come and go. And one day, um, they will say this and they will say that, but what lasts forever? Where can I find ultimate truth that will endure and be unchanging forever? The word of our God endures forever. Everything God has said is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And my point is, yeah, who are we listening to? Listen to the word of God. Listen to the word of God. Yes, it's hard at times, isn't it? I know it's hard at times because what God says isn't going to, at times, be liked or 
often maybe contradicts the world or contradicts our friends or, or even contradicts ourselves. But if we, if we want comfort, comfort my people, we need to allow it to speak tenderly to us. Finally, the final voice um, in verse 9. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. There's the voice. Lift it up. Do not be afraid, says the towns of Judah. Here is your God. I think the job, um, the messenger job is your job, my job as Christians is to convince listeners uh, tenderly of God's, well, what is it? Abounding love, isn't it? That's what it should be about, about sharing God's abounding love and convincing them of it. Actually, that is not as easy as you think to convince people. Um, John Calvin in his Institute says this really interesting. He says, no one will ever reverence God, but he or she who is confident that God is favorable towards them. People don't think God is favorable to them. They need to know he is. In other words, you, you and I, um, we're never going to... Um, going to to run to God. People are never going to run to God unless you convince them that God is favourable to them. It's really very, very important. How can he... Because instantly we think, how can he be favourable to me towards unfaithful, rebellious, messed up people? Well, and here is the answer. Here it is, isn't it? He gives us his son. That's how we know he is favourable to us. Here is your God, it says... Uh, in the verse. Here is your God. That's how we know. You see, after a great time passes of silence and despair and of gloom and of longing, of isolation, of however many years it is, whether it's been what we've experienced here this last couple of years, they then could look and see this coming to a reality as one night on the hills of Bethlehem an angel appears to shepherds and the glory of God shone around them. And what did they find? They discovered that all their hopes and all their fears of all the years had been met in Jesus. And there are two things about this God who, who comes in Jesus. There's one in verse 10. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. So you see that phrase, the mighty arm? It's to show us strength, that he's Lord and he's sovereign. Jesus comes as, as a strong, mighty, sovereign Lord. And you could read that and think, I'm a bit frightened of God. I'm frightened of Jesus who is strong. But look at the text of what it says then in verse 11. Do you see it? He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. It's the same arms that are mighty, but yet they also are gather, gather them close to his heart. 
and he gently leads those who have young. He's mighty and strong, but he's also a shepherd. One of the things, I know I talk about my, uh, <laughs> my upbringing as a, a shepherd's son, but one of the things, I'm sorry if I talk about it too much, but one of the things I remember about my father, um, who's a shepherd, was his hands and his arms. And I remember them very vividly because they, they, were, um, they were strong. He wasn't a particularly big person, but his arms were very strong. You could always see his, all his veins because he used his hands and his arms so much as a shepherd. And a picture, I've got a picture of him at home, of him holding two new lo- newborn lambs in his arms at home. And uh, he, you can t- I know he's looking pleased. He doesn't really smile, because my father didn't really smile very much. But I knew he's pleased, because I knew what uh, uh, he looked like. You see, it's strength, but with such care, isn't it, in a shepherd? That's the picture. And the other thing I noticed about my father's arms was just how worn they were. They were often scratched, they were often bruised, they were often had, you know, they broken fingers that had healed and all sorts of things. They were hands that had sacrificed a lot, put it bluntly, and had worked hard. And as we think about that with Jesus as a shepherd, the shepherd king, he rules with a mighty arm, yes, but he gathers his lambs in those arms. He gathers you and me in those arms. And if you think about it, those arms sacrificed so much, didn't they? Because they were stretched out on a cross. Did you notice the unusual phrase in verse 10? This is really amazing. It says here, See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. What is that? What is the reward? The reward is simply you and me. We are his reward. It's an amazing statement. And of course, it's incredibly good news uh, of such comfort to us. Listen, comfort, comfort my people. See, Jesus rules with mighty power and he cares as a shepherd gathers lambs. See, his reward is with him, you and me. And where are they? They're close to his heart. They're drawn in. We need to know this. We really need to know this, that God is for you, 100% for you. He is with you. He likes you. He embraces you. Isn't that good news? It is good news. Comfort, comfort, my people, there are three, three voices here of such good news. God is coming. The second one to the, the word of God endures forever. And finally, listen to the good news. Let's pray. The um, days are running up to... Uh, Christmas can be tough. Where does our comfort come from? Sometimes we can run to the gifts, the family, things around us, a fuzzy feeling, excitement, all often good things. Yet, yeah, but what is ultimately our comfort? 
They will wither like a grass of the field. God is our comfort. The word lasts forever. Here is your God. Father God, we, we pray that we would know this comfort tonight and into, into the rest of Christmas. We pray that you would comfort, comfort your people with this good news of Jesus. The one with the mighty arm and the one who embraces us to our heart as his own. Father, please pound our hearts with that tonight by your spirit, we pray. That we would know it, that we would believe it, that we would trust in it, and that we would share it with others. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.